welcome back. What's freaking good? <laughs> Here we are discussing the harmonic triads today, or also called conflict orientation triads. Yeah. It's a very interesting division of the Enneagram. I remember, if you haven't caught on by now, everything divides into threes on the Enneagram. So this is another... Wow, is it bad that I haven't <laughs> caught that yet? Yes, that was bad. That's okay, though. Um, yeah, so these three groupings describe the three general responses to conflict, and it doesn't mean that it's mm -hmm. universal. You're going to hear about trends today, that there are certain trends we have in conflict. It doesn't mean that is how we always universally respond to conflict. But yeah, so I guess we should just jump in and get started somewhere. Yeah, let's do it. So these conflict orientation responses are grouped in a really interesting way, and I think it helps illustrate some uh, mistyping confusions, which we'll get to mm -hmm. a little bit later. But I think the types within these conflict orientation triads often get confused with each other. Yeah. So it's important to note. So I guess we should get started discussing these three different triads mm -hmm. of conflict orientation. So the first harmonic triad we'll deal with is competency, which is types one, three, and five. So ones, threes, and fives all deal with conflict in a very rational way, which essentially says if I set aside my feelings and you set aside your feelings, and we just talk about the facts of what occurred mm. or what's occurring, we can resolve this conflict in no time. So it's a very helpful tool for being able to see things in a way that's not very emotional, but because it is so unemotional, it might feel kind of cold yeah. to some people. This competency response is one that feels clear-headed, but might not seem very personable. Is the conflict that conflict orientation is referring to, is it always interpersonal, or is it just general conflict? I think it's actually general, because you think about the ways like ones, threes, and fives handle issues in their life, even mm -hmm. if it's not just interpersonal. If there's a sense of, oh, I have a problem to fix, I think they all sort of tackle it with this idea of, okay, what are the facts? What's yeah. true? What, what do I need to think about rationally here? So like how we respond when we don't get what we want. Exactly, when we don't get what we want. I think, honestly, the competency triad has one of the easiest times getting back to what they want because they're willing to acknowledge the issue as it is. Hmm but not get all freaked out about it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not a big emotional ordeal for them. Uh, but by contrast, we look at fours, sixes, and eights who are the emotional realness or reactive triad. Mm. And reactive kind of says it all. They all have this idea that if I respond with my most true emotional response right. and you do the same, everyone will be very authentic and honest about what's going on here. Mm -hmm. If I break the ice with some sort of... With some emotional truth, yeah. that's what's going on. And so it's interesting how, if you think about it, everyone seems to value truth as like what will solve the problem. Hmm. But for the competency triad, they see competency as like a rational truth, that the most right. effective way to solve this is a rational, objective truth. Mm. Um, but for the reactive triad, that truth that they think will solve the problem is an emotional truth. If I know exactly how you're feeling and you know exactly how I'm feeling, we can get over this in no time. Right. I found that the reactive triad makes things too messy. Hmm. You know, the same way that the competency triad can make Maybe things makes, too cut and dry. Right, right. The reactive triad is dealing with things in a really, um, what feels honest hmm. way to them. But in reality, it kind of can just be kind of nasty and mean. Um, and that might be my own bias because I'm not in that triad. But yeah. like, there's a response of, of shoving my truest emotion on the table. So I think it's interesting to see the way that like fours as heart types who are dealing with shame are shoving their shame on the table. So mm. when there's conflict, they're like, look at how t 
terrible I feel about myself and validate my identity because I feel very sad and shameful. Um, sixes, by contrast, are shoving their fear on the table. It's here are all the things I'm terrified about. And if I'm honest about this and you're honest about your fears, we can solve the problem. Hmm. But for eights, they're shoving their anger on the table as body types. It's a look at, look at what's pissing me off. And you should acknowledge that because that's the truth we're using here. Yeah. But no matter what type or which triad, they're all presenting what they believe is true. Exactly. They, they all believe that they are being honest with whatever comes out of them first. Yeah. Whether it's rational truth or whether it's raw anger or, you know, raw emotion. Yeah. It is, it is interesting. And it kind of goes back to this idea that every neurosis thinks that it's the best. You know, yeah. every, every neurotic cycle is under the impression that it's the most effective way to deal with life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so let's look at the positive outlook triad. That's the last of these conflict orientation triads. And it is dealing with problems by avoiding them and ignoring them. Mm. So that's sevens, nines, and twos. And so sevens are avoiding their problems by over-engaging with the world in a really fun way. And if I keep going and having fun and focusing on the positive experiences I can have, and the positive thoughts I can have that will enlighten and um, engage my mind, then I don't have to deal with the issue. Mm. Or, the, or that will deal with the issue. It's not even just that I don't have to deal with it, but it will solve the problem for me. So by focusing on the end goal of a positive reality or a positive outcome, all the negative things will eventually fall away. Right. It's interesting to see how there actually is something to learn from that tactic. you know, And there is something to learn from each of these different responses. Like the competency triad actually is really helpful, you know, like if you can... Maybe being honest with like your actual feelings could be helpful. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's this need for rationality that we have in conflict. There's this need for emotional honesty, but mm-hmm. there's also this need for hope in conflict. And so all three of these together, if they could function all at one, maybe yeah. it would be effective. If we could be both hopeful and rational and true emotionally. So the conflict orientation is not necessarily negative for what it does but it's negative just that we be- become addicted to just one of them yeah it's negative for what it lacks yes exactly nines their positive outlook response is by focusing on um, the positive general features of the world around them of people mm. around them of their environment like we've said before they're super trusting they kind of go with the flow yeah and i think that's a huge trend because the neurosis can't handle negative realities because that would force them to differentiate Hmm. And then there's detachment, which goes back to object relations wound. And again, this is a little reminder. If you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes or covering um, something Nothing will make sense. (laughs) Yeah, nothing will make a whole lot of sense. So I would go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't yet. Um, We are still in the introductory teaching phase right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so conflict orientation, we finished seven, we finished nine. So the two, the two is making their outlook positive by ignoring their own flaws. So the, the positive outlook response of the two is... I will focus on presenting a positive image of myself yeah. because they're still a heart type. So they're concerned about identity, mm-hmm. but that identity is just being likable and being good. And they, mm-hmm. they've cons- really convinced themselves that they are selfless, good, sweet people um, mm. who deserve love in return. Um, so they might not actually feel that all the time, but the subconscious narrative is saying, I don't actually have any needs. Mm. I don't have any problems. And that's why I, have all the time and resources in the world to focus on your problems. And that thus comes this sort of like caretaker mentality that the two takes on, that because I don't have any of my own problems, I can spend all of my time helping you out. Yeah, and each harmonic feeds each neurotic pattern. That's so true. If you look at all the passions, like 
the issue of pride for the two is fed by the fact that I don't have to look at my own problems. Yeah. The issue of sloth for the nine is I don't have to wake up to myself or wake up to the world because the world isn't negative. You know, there's no yeah. real problems to yeah. wake up to. Um, and for the seven, this idea of gluttony is like everything in the world is good to be consumed. Mm -hmm. So why should I stop eating? Right. And you look at ones, threes, and fives and the way they deal with competency and the one's over-rational perspective is why they have this righteous wrath. You know, yeah. they have this sense of like, oh, I'm allowed to be angry because it's driven by fact. It's hmm. driven by objective universal truths. I can't be wrong. I, can, I can't be wrong here because I'm not, I'm not getting my own messy emotions and my own mm. wants and, and needs into this. I'm just dealing with what's objectively yeah. good or bad. Um, likewise, the three can feed the sin of vanity because their own feelings aren't getting in the way and making their image look messy. That they can mm. keep up this presented, um, cool, calm, collected front without any fear of like, oh, my true feelings of shame will mm. leak out. No, I'm dealing with the world in a rational way. Um, I actually find that to, to be a really helpful tool in threes though in relationship is that they can see things in an unemotional light a lot of times. Yeah. But I think that, remember, like you just said, this goes back to feeding the passion, feeding the vice of each neurosis. Uh, for the five, that sin of avarice, if you see the world in a rational, unemotional way, and you deal with the world in a rational, unemotional way, there's no need, there's no emotional obligation to give myself to the world mm. or have the world give to me. I can keep myself very detached and separate from it and keep everything I have because I don't have any feelings about that. You know, mm. and there's no, I, I'm dealing with the facts here and the facts speak for themselves. So I don't actually have to get myself emotionally involved in conflict. I guess by contrast, we look at four, six, and eight in the emotional realness or reactive triad and fours, are being emotionally real to feed the sin of envy. Is that, mm. that that feeling of I lack it, I lack it, I lack it, and others have something that I'm missing. It's not so much a physical thing typically as it is a other people seem fulfilled with their identity in a way that I'm not. Um, and so I'm ashamed of that. And the more that they feed into that feeling of shame, the more that they can feed that envy. Yeah. Um, and that sense of lack and, and separation from the world. That actually is where they garner their sense of identity. Mm. Um, and the six feeds their unbelief by being completely emotionally real about all their fears. Right. So they actually make their fears too real, is that they're, they're feeding into the reality of them by talking about them and feeling them all the time. But to them, it feels like they're being emotionally honest. I'm being true. My, I'm being quick to react, mm -hmm. but, but it's because it's emotionally honest mm -hmm. and true. And for eights, the sin of lust, that, that vice of lust, is fed by emotional realness with anger is that I have a right to have a lust for power because I'm angry. And so this anger is really just a tool to help me consume and dominate more of reality. A revelation that I've had about the Enneagram, especially in light of conflict orientation, is like you said earlier, each neurosis wants to say, I'm coping the best way, mm, you know? Yeah. But it's also interesting to find that in us saying, I'm coping the best way, we judge other people on the way that they cope because we're like, no, why would you not have emotion? In coping. Why wouldn't why you be real? Why wouldn't you be real? And so you find almost in trying to deter from conflict, it creates conflict because, well, I'm dealing with this in a very rational way, but you're dealing it with so messy, exactly. so messily. And so it almost like, again, yeah. the entire premise of the neurosis is I'm using this neurosis to cope with the world and it's the best way and it's making my world great, which is then feeding my neurosis, which then creates a great world for me. Yeah. But everyone's doing that. And so it creates all this conflict which is exactly what conflict orientation is trying to not do. It's, it's trying to deal with conflict in a way that's like 
actually has a solution. Exactly. But they're all overemphasizing one, one feature of conflict resolution yeah. and, and ignoring the others for the reactive types. They have this sense of, oh, I'm not being fake. I'm being real about right. the way I feel. And that's why it's the right way to handle us. Handle yeah. this problem. But notice how when they say, I'm not being fake, they're almost kind of dissing all of the other things. That are being fake. <laughs> they're like, like, because you are being fake, you're I'm being not going to be You're fake. being too rational about yeah. this, so you're not even being honest. Like, why yeah. aren't you sharing your feelings? Right. And you look at the competency triad, and they're dealing with the facts in a way that seems like a, oh, I know the truth. And you have let your emotional realities cloud you. Yeah. Or even, like, you can look at the way it might conflict with... Um, the positive outlook triad, mm -hmm. and it's sort of like, oh, you're actually not looking at the problems as they are. Right. You're not seeing these rationally. You're just kind of blinding yourselves. And I think that's true. If you look at the positive outlook triad, they do have this hopeful attitude that's actually really important, mm -hmm. that there's this silver lining that we should be reaching for and, and looking at when we're trying to resolve conflict. That is a real thing. If we believe in conflict resolution, yeah. we should actually be focused on what's being solved and what the solution should look like. But the positive outlook triad, doesn't want to actually see the problems as they are. So they're ignoring the facts and the emotional realities to some degree. And then it can be really annoying for the positive outlook triad when people try and bring up rational things that are negative because they're like, hey, I'm over here living the best life I can and you're ruining it. And I think they have this idea that there's a commitment to it. Mm. You know, there's, we, all, yeah. we all agreed to commit to emotional honesty or right. we all agreed to commit to the facts or we all agreed to commit to the hopeful attitude or to this positive reality. Right. Um, and so they, they see these other conflict orientations as sort of like getting in the way and clouding mm. what they think should be happening. We've used this idea or this analogy of a covenant that people are making with people, but I almost want to apply that to everyone. You know, everyone is making this covenant with everyone else that says, my way is the best. And we all agreed that I would operate this way and you would operate this way. Right. So why aren't you operating this way? Which is... Where conflict even stems from. Right. That we we are annoyed by the fact that the world doesn't operate just as we do. Yeah. Because we presume that our neurosis is the world. Yeah, yeah. It's the way that we see everything. And so you can see this in relationship very, very clearly. Someone who's saying, you know, I'm out here saying these are the problems with our relationship. And the other person's like a positive outlook tried saying, why are you bringing this up? Like this isn't a big deal. Yeah, this, this isn't is, a big deal. This isn't a big deal. Which then creates conflict. More problems. Because... I, like, I'm thinking about someone today I was talking, he's in the positive outlook triad, but his girlfriend is in the reactive triad. Mm. And when there are issues in the relationship, she's quick to bring them up. Yeah. As a six, she's bringing up her fears and her concerns mm. constantly. And he's a seven, and he's constantly like, that's not an issue. Like, that doesn't need to be a big deal. That doesn't need to be a big deal. Right. And to her, that feels like an insult. It feels yeah. like a, you're totally ignoring this issue, and you don't, you're not committed to fixing our relationship. Mm. You're not committed to the health of our relationship. But if they were to understand... That that's just the way that they're coping. And that's the way they see the world. Yeah. It's not like they're blowing them off or anything like that. It's that they genuinely feel like that's the best way to do it. And that's the idea, really, is that we all have something to learn from other people. Yeah. But we don't ever see that our own perspective is inherently rooted in neurosis. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's kind of it for today. It was just a brief little dip into the idea of conflict and the way we deal with it. I'm sure we'll bring it up more later, but I think these are really interesting triads, but they're also just kind of behavioral. You know, they're dealing with more surface level issues in life. Mm -hmm. So again, as a reminder, if you've missed our conversations on object relations or on stances. Yeah, if you didn't understand any of those words. <laughs> yeah, I encourage you to go back to episodes three and four, and that'll mm -hmm. help you get a little perspective on what's going on. Um, 
And if you are new here and you just stumbled into this podcast, definitely go back to I'm very one. sorry that you're here at this point. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed today's content on the harmonic triads, complex orientation triads, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and uh, between now and next time, please look us up, reach out to us, look at the resources, all the visuals, put on our Instagram, Instagram uh, and you can find us at all of those places at Not, not My, my type, type and Enneagram. And you can find us at all those places on Not My Type Enneagram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you love to add in these little. Did you hear that last one? The, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I did. All right, see you later, guys. Bye. <laughs>